0: Due to adult content, parental discretion is advised. To begin. Are you watching closely? To begin.
1: I just I'm I'm gonna start. What plaything can you offer me today? Here's the deal. Just
0: give me the facts. Just the facts. Only the facts. Breathe. Focus. Keep it simple.
1: No, 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 no doubt, no doubt. Okay,
0: welcome. Cock and Bull minute. A Tristram Shandy Story. A podcast in which eventually Ostensibly, at some point, we will be talking about the 2005 film Tristram Shandy, A Cock and Bull Story, one minute at a time. Good lord, what is this story all about? Cock and a Bull Story. Here's your host, me, Robert Black. We're here for Group 13. Um, this is About Time versus The Fisher King. That is Richard Curtis versus Terry Gilliam and Richard LaGravines, because Gilliam didn't write it. So, since we got British films or British filmmakers, I uh, got a Brit to come talk with me
1: about it. This is Luke Allen. Luke, you can introduce yourself if you like. Hello, I'm Luke Allen. I'm a filmmaker and podcaster. I host Please Be Seated and co host with Robert Two Minutes About Time. Yeah. So, About Time is one of the films which I definitely have a heck of a lot of knowledge about.
0: So, yeah, it should be noted Luke and I are doing a show about one of these two films. So, there might be some bias there. I don't know. A little bit, yeah.
1: (laughs) I know exactly what side of this I stand on, so. (laughs) It's
0: interesting, Uh, maybe we can just start there, because I know, I think I know which side I stand on, and I don't think it's the same one. Because you side with About Time, right? Yeah. I love About Time, but I think I side with The Fisher King, because it's more, I think it's more unique to me.
1: Yeah, I I think it is, yeah, and I think they're once again, as you were saying, you've had with other ones. They're very different films to compare.
0: Yeah, but they are both. Well, there are similarities. odd
1: ideas with like emotional resonance. So yeah, it works.
0: And and to be fair, even if I pick one over the other, um, I started with 380 movies for this bracket, and it was, that's. I did the math. It's 5.8 percent of the movies I've seen. Wow. Now we're in the top 36, which is 0.5 percent
1: of the movies I've seen.
0: So, making the top 0.5% is pretty good either way.
1: Mm. I, I've just noticed recently that I am way too nice on, like, most films I watch. Like, <laughs> especially now, I think I might have said this on two minutes about time. Basically, just because, like, now is kind of just a stressful period with lockdown and with my school being cancelled and all that. Like, I'm a lot more emotional when it comes to watching films. Yeah. And it tends to be that if a film makes me tear up, then I give it five stars. And if you look through my letterbox ever since lockdown, I think I think the common connection is that I've watched them all since lockdown. <laughs> and, uh, well, it, and that
0: might just mean you like a certain kind of movie that is an, inherently going to make you emotional. I'm, I tend to, on IMDb where it's at a 10, if a movie like got to me emotionally and I teared up or cried or whatever, it's at least getting an 8, Yeah, even if the movie's not that good it's just like a personal rating
1: tell you what i watched um a couple of days ago which i didn't even know about until recently you seen Fathers and Daughters? i
0: don't think so no
1: russell crowe and amanda cypher it's like it's a really good okay
0: i know what movie that is but no i didn't see it
1: it was reviewed by critics really badly but like me and my family we just loved it and it was a massive surprise to huh. suddenly hear that but that's not one of the films we're here to talk about today
0: <laughs> oh that's fine the inherent nature of this show is that this is right now the twenty third episode, and we have talked about the movie this show is about, Tristram Shandy, for probably maybe a minute of that time. Okay. Because you know, in order to talk about that movie or any movie, you got to know where people are coming from. Yeah.
1: I think that makes, and makes that sense. And yeah. you
0: got to understand, like I'm doing my top movie bracket because you want people to know here's what I think of movie generally. Now you can get my opinions about the specific one. So is About Time your favorite movie?
1: Yeah, I think so, yeah. Okay. I've, I've toed and frored on it a lot, but About Time always seems to be the one that I come back to. Yeah, All the ones below that seem to be shifting around quite a lot. Huh. Like, I really like Blue Lagoon, huh. and it's it's not really a film that people talk about that much. I mean, I know it had its controversy when it came out.
0: Yeah, people talked about it when back then, but, in the 70s.
1: I mean, when you look at the stuff that technically, in terms of like body doubles and everything, that we should now know there's not really any issue with, the actual content of the film and so just looking at it as like a sweet film with an incredible soundtrack i just find it a nice film watched it a few times and i think it's got like possibly only second to about time in great soundtrack really
0: it's been a while since i watched blue lagoon i don't even remember what the soundtrack is like i'd probably recognize it if i listened to it but it's been a while yes the movie's fine yeah it's i don't know and most of its controversy i think came up after the fact because in the 70s no one
1: cared yeah (laughs) i get that i just sort of wanted to clear up the you know the, the controversy before I said that it's a good film because uh, it just is. I think now people aren't really bothered because people know that it was all body doubles and
0: for some of it,
1: although an odd shoot, but I think I just think it's a sweet film at the end of the day. Yeah, it's um, fine. I think I think a TV edit would probably be better. You know where they get past all the iffy bits, but just as a story and as a soundtrack, <laughs> it's a nice film. Other than that, you talked about across the universe. Yeah, it should be known that basically outside of across the universe and those films that most of the other films on my top list seem to be richard curtis yeah and
0: yeah because you definitely like romances
1: yeah i, I don't know what it, <laughs> what or why but yeah especially british romance i mean i don't believe the american but like i think there's something about british rom sweet
0: i gotta figure out i gotta go through my uh, bracket and see genre wise what did i favor i definitely favor like emotional films mm. or like Films about relationships, but not always romantic relationships.
1: Yeah, I think it is mostly the emotion side of things. Because that's what that was it with Blue Lagoon. Like it's got a kind of sad and yet unsatisfying ending, which I quite like. Yeah. And um, I've just started reading the book. And it's pretty good. Hmm. I'm just looking on the uh, on my likes on Letterbox to see if anything else stands out. Oh, nah, that's just odd. Some of them, really, to be honest. Emo the musicals on my likes.
0: Generally, the movie I say is my favorite, if I have to pick one, is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which, mm. aside from being another weird like science fiction twist on things, is essentially a romance.
1: Yeah, that was on my list for a long time.
0: But I don't like romantic comedies generally, which is mm. weird. But when they're good, I,
1: I love them, I guess. Actually, I'm kind of surprised. I, one of the other films that's on my list as five stars with a like is uh, Rat Race. I saw that once on a plane. Seth Green. (laughs) Yeah, I know what movie you mean. I've seen it on TV a few times, and then I bought the DVD at one point. It was only not that long ago I watched it, but apparently when I watched it, it was really good.
0: (laughs) But yeah, that's that's a problem I have with with my IMDb ratings is how I rate them now versus how I rated them when I started that list. Mm. I started rating things on IMDb like whenever IMDb started, and so I don't know how I rated. Like, how did I decide what a ten was or what an eight was? Now I have a specific idea in mind when I pick.
1: I've been adding stuff to a list since just the start of this year, and then yeah. rating. I literally started on the first of March when I turned sixteen. I thought that's the time to start. Oh, okay. So it's just because I, 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 I would never be able to go back and try and figure out what I know. Some people have, and I assume you have to go back. No, I don't go
0: back and rate things. Okay,
1: you don't because <laughs> i know some people who have who have just gone
0: i only rate them now if i watch them i'll gone rate them.
1: back and to like every film they've watched and it's like yeah i don't think i'd be able to manage. That. on
0: letterboxd i could do that i think because it's out of five it's a little easier it's like either you really liked it it was like you liked it or yeah it was mediocre it's simpler a 10 scale is a little too much for me yeah i think 10 is
1: better or all. even like you know, we want tomatoes, which I never use, but we'd like hold the, percent, the percentage idea and things. I I want a little more freedom than just out of five. But Letterbox is just easier for me than IMDb. Yeah.
0: And I watch a wider variety of quality too. I think you aim for movies you already like. Yeah. Like last night, I watched The Fisher King, which on IMDb I've given a ten. On Letterboxd they gave it five. And then I watched oh, what was the movie called The Aberdeen County Conjurer, which is a really low budget horror film that I gave a 1 on Letterboxd and a 2 on IMDb.
1: <laughs> um, what do you count, like, if you have, like, a film on in the background or something? like, Do you count that as watched or not? I,
0: I actually don't do that very much. Okay. I mean, I often do, like, check things on my phone during a movie if I've seen it before, hmm. but I usually, if I've turned on a movie, I'm watching it. Yeah. Background, I'd usually do, like, TV yeah. show or a podcast or something.
1: That's me for the most part. There's occasionally like my family will put on a film and I'll think I'm going to watch it and then I'll be on my phone for so much that I don't really remember much of it. Yeah, I'm. am trying to look and see what like the lowest rated thing I've actually put on Letterbox. Obviously, I've been doing it for a little bit, but as you said, yeah, I kind of. <laughs> if, I mean, it sounds logical to be honest, but obviously, you you enjoy bad movies, and I'm getting into them. Yeah, for me to say that I actively search out films that I like, um, but it's a uh, yeah, okay. So I think the lowest for me. Was the new Aladdin, oh. which I gave two and a
0: half
1: out of five. Yeah, where where, where did that rate with you?
0: I liked it. I mean, I, on Letterboxd, I think I definitely clicked the little liked heart thing, but I think I rated it like a three
1: okay. because I only ever I only click the likes like when I give it five stars.
0: It adds a couple interesting things. It adds depth to Jasmine, which I liked, but then it kind of i don't think the genie was worse and other aspects were like they didn't need a remake of this
1: yeah i'm not really a fan of the original aladdin either okay i mean i know in the new aladdin that i, I know someone who's involved in production and right the stunts were really good he did the stunts you know he did a good job huh. and overall i understand what people would like the film yeah but just a for me not being a fan of the story and b for me thinking disney could invest this money in like new content yeah which, incidentally, High School Musical, the musical, the series, is surprisingly good. <laughs> have, have you seen any of it? <laughs> no,
0: no, no. I, I was, when High School Musical came out, I, I did watch the first one, but I was already a little too old for bothering, and so I never got really into those. And
1: It, it was my little sister who... When I heard about it. the series,
0: I'm like, that's weird, but... Uh, yeah, do you know the
1: plot of God the series, that. or not really...
0: It's a TV show following a high school production of High School the Musical or something like that?
1: Yeah, it's like, it's from the high school where it was filmed, and it's like the students there are doing a production of it to try and hold up to the film that happened. And it's surprisingly, like, it's reasonably self-aware. I mean, I had it on in the background for the most part while I was getting some homework done, but... I thought I'd put it on for a laugh because I was in a production of High School Musical at my school a couple of years ago. Yeah, and I ended up just being genuinely invested, <laughs> and then found out that I believe the second series is out on Disney Plus in the states, maybe, and not here because huh. I'm because it's put like a release date on there on like IMDb that says it was like January or something. But we've only got season one, and I found myself genuinely miffed thinking I had like six more episodes and I didn't. So. Uh, if anyone's listening who's involved in the production of High School Musical, the musical, the series, then good work. But even that's not really original content. I just think it should be more original Disney films.
0: Well, with reality things like that, it's all semi-original content. Yeah. And it can be entertaining. And that's good background noise. Mm. Stuff like that.
1: Anyway, we've gone for like 15 minutes without mentioning either of the two films. It happens. One of which being the film that I normally manage to make the centre of every conversation I have. So that's quite impressive. Well,
0: right. And... Literally right after we record this, we're going to be recording some episodes of mm. Two Minutes About Time. So. so there's
1: a good chance that we'll spend in the next two to three hours discussing.
0: <laughs> yeah. But so what we should be talking about right now is The Fisher King, mm. which you just saw for the first time, right?
1: Yeah, like a week ago. Or whatever. I don't know. Time doesn't make sense at the moment, uh, but I saw it. <laughs>
0: time is weird right I now, saw
1: yeah. it, and I gave oh. it five stars on Letterboxd. Nice. I, at the start, I was unsure as to where it was going. Yes. Little bits of it, I'm like... I understand it but for me to like i think my mum was like in and out and trying to ask what was going on i try and discuss it and it's like actually when i explain this plot to someone it makes very little sense yeah hence i was literally confused reading the back of the dvd case of the plot and i was like i don't know what this is about at all i'm gonna watch this film and know diddly squat about it <laughs> and i prepared it that way
0: well yeah the first few minutes of this movie you would if you watched it not knowing what the movie is you got no idea where the plot's going hmm. you'd have no idea where the, like what's
1: going on I liked it and I liked the I liked the idea of him trying to sort of pay back for what he'd done with the radio thing.
0: Well, we we should explain in case someone's listening to these episodes and hasn't seen the movies.
1: Yeah, how, how spoilery are we getting in discussion?
0: Oh, we'll do spoilers, but we should also tell them the plot oh, yeah, just exactly. so you know intrigue them. About time, which we aren't gonna, we aren't talking about much right now, is about a guy who learns when he's twenty one that he can go back in time, and he proceeds to use it from what we see in the movie, mostly to find love. And so he can go back into it in his own lifetime and alter events.
1: And not really just romantic love, either.
0: Yeah, true.
1: It's like family love. Because
0: there's a a big part of it is his relationship with his father, Mm. a big twist in the movie dealing with his sort of relationship with his child.
1: And it's sort of just an uplifting film about appreciating the little things in life.
0: Yeah, oh, very. There's a great message at the end about like living each day as if you already went back in time and this is your second chance. Like you got to pay attention to all the details and enjoy it.
1: And weirdly, the cast and crew were talking about the end message in like the promotional interviews for the film, which I found a bit odd. Yeah. Like They'd be like, oh yeah, it's got a great ending, and it's like, yeah. okay.
0: And then the Fisher King...
1: Yeah, you can try and explain this one.
0: It's <laughs> a harder plot to explain. Uh, let's do it in steps. We have a DJ who's kind of a cynical bastard. That's piece played by Jeff Bridges. He inadvertently pisses off a listener. That listener goes to a bar and kills a bunch of people.
1: The way every good movie starts.
0: DJ's life falls apart. Meanwhile, Robin Williams' character was in that bar with his wife. His wife was murdered, and he kind of lost his mind. He's now homeless in the present. And kind of crazy. He thinks the Holy Grail is in a mansion in New York. And Jeff Bridges realizing after Robin Williams' character saves him from being mugged, realizes who this guy is and wants to pay like pay him back, wants to help him. And so he tries to give him cash. That doesn't go very well. He tries to help him find like get together with a woman he's in love with, he says, who he watches every day. And then eventually helps him by getting the grill. And it's all very romantic and very bizarrely fantastical.
1: Both films involve stalkery love. Yeah. <laughs> But in a way where it's almost made to look sweet, unless you think about it. Yeah. So, that like, we think it's sweet,
0: and the characters think it's sweet when they know.
1: But then you kind of think about what people could take away from it, and it's sort of like, ooh.
0: Yeah, Tim sitting at the uh, Kate Moss exhibit for days on end to find the uh, girl he accidentally erased his first meet with. It's a little stalkery. And then in this, Perry follows what's named Lydia played by Amanda Plummer. He follows her on her lunch break from work every day.
1: Or even with About Time, really, Tim has a conversation with Mary that's then erased, so he then expresses her opinions back in the conversation so that she likes him. Oh, yeah. And thinks that they're a perfect match.
0: Yeah, he quotes what she says about Kate Moss.
1: So, I mean, it's good to know that they were a good match when we first saw them. Like, I'm glad we had that first meeting so that it's not just Tim straight off, you know, stalking her and making her fall in love with him because of a lie. I mean, we don't know that he doesn't think that about Kate Moss, I guess, but... True, true. Or he might eventually...
0: Because, you know, once you're together with someone, their interest can rub off on you. So maybe he would think more of Kate Moss if he didn't already.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. And
0: clearly, in the case of Fisher King, Perry does love romance and is into that. And one of the things he likes about Lydia is on her lunch mm-hmm. break, she buys romance novels. But yeah, they're, in both movies, they are what I used to call on my blog, Groundhog Day Project, um, Phil Connoring people, basically. They're using knowledge that they shouldn't have to get together with people.
1: And I think as well, they both are comical in places, and have a sort of fantastical element yeah. to what would otherwise be a normal ish story. Yes. Uh, I mean, about time would be more normal. It'd mm-hmm. still be an interesting film without the fantastical element, really, of Fisher King. In just him trying to make amends for accidentally leading to the murder people. And actually, it reminds me that Fisher King surprised me as to how quickly it went straight into the plot. Like, you know, you, you you have him talking to the guy who becomes the murderer, like, right as soon as it starts. Yeah. And that that was quite a surprise, really, because I was thinking we were just over the credits here, you know, just seeing him, how he is and what his job is, that just suddenly realize, hang on, I still, I've still i got to be paying full attention right now, straight away.
0: Yeah. they they It's, if you're not paying attention to who he talks to on the radio in the opening scene, yeah. you don't realize, oh, we just heard the guy they're talking about. that He doesn't treat very nicely.
1: And, yeah, I think it's been, I find it odd. But I think on IMDb, it's listed as a fantasy film, yeah. and I don't really think that works as a genre for it. Like, I get why, but I don't think, I wouldn't count that as one of the main genres, really. It, it might be, a, as far as people who
0: are looking for a movie by genre, they might be the ones more likely to appreciate it, maybe?
1: Yeah. I mean, in all fairness, I'm not a fantasy guy, so seeing that sort of turned me off to the idea of the film. So I was like, oh, it's a fantasy. <laughs> I'm not sure. And now I watch it, and I'm like, actually, no, this works, because it's real life with the fantasy being inside his mind. So it it still feels as though it could almost be a true story. Yeah. A very weird true story, but it feels, it it doesn't feel like an impossible concept like time travel is in about time, which once again is made to feel normal. Right. And even then with its ending, you could
0: take about time to be a metaphor as well. So it's like, maybe he only imagined going back and changing these things because that's how he thinks about every day now.
1: I hadn't even thought about that.
0: So you could you could take that as sort of real as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so IMDb lists Fisher King as comedy, drama, fantasy. So romance isn't listed at all <laughs> on there, although that becomes... I mean, it's odd. Romance is... That's a big part of it. Yeah, a big part of it. And debatably bigger than fantasy.
0: Well, it almost should be called, like, romantic fantasy, because it sort of is... The fantasy elements are medieval-specific and, like, chivalrous. Yeah. I don't know if IMDB even lists that as a genre at all.
1: Other than the Python stuff, really. I don't think I know many um, Terry Gilliam films. Like, I know I need to watch Brazil and 12 Monkeys and all that. But I don't think I've seen him.
0: And as I understand it, this is the only one of his movies that doesn't include another Monty Python person.
1: Uh, Quite possibly. And Gilliam is American, isn't he? Like, he was in Britain for a while, but he's American. But He's American? Oh, yeah. I think so. He's from Minnesota. I
0: don't think I knew that. I just think of him as being British.
1: He's like he's the American of the the Pythons, but I think that's one of the things as well, which I guess is slightly worth talking about because it links to about time. Or at least as a British person who watches a lot of American films, yeah. If they hadn't referenced part way through the film the fact that Rachel McAdams is American, I bet I wouldn't have even twigged it. Like I would just like she's got an American accent, but you. Well, yeah, when they mention it, it's like, oh, is she? <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's sort of like, oh yeah. And even I, I think I can be like that when you've got British actors in American films. Just so used to hearing both yeah. accents and both voices that when they're together, it doesn't really seem too out of place. I, I, I definitely feel like "About Time" is a very, very British film, yeah. So maybe that's partially why I like it. Like,
0: oh yeah, the like family relationships are very British, mm. especially,
1: yeah. And it carries on with what we've discussed on two minutes about time, although that episode will probably be out after this. About the whole Richard Curtis thing with the one American, yeah, which happens a lot. <laughs> like I, when I was watching Love Actually the other day, like there are multiple one Americans in each story. There's at least well, there's at least two Americans for two separate stories that intermingle, which I think I, I always forget about. And some of the stories in Love, actually, like, I really wish had been made into, like, full films.
0: Yeah, if they were separated from each other, I think I would like some of them more.
1: Yeah, some of them wouldn't be strong enough to carry as a full film.
0: Love, actually, on a whole, I kind of, like, I appreciated it when I watched it, but I'm like, okay, I get it. But it's a little too much, you know, quote-unquote romantic comedy for me.
1: Yeah, I, I get that. It's a little more romancy than Richard Curtis's normal yeah. romantic comedies really. I think it
0: had to be because it was all of those storylines piled on each other they couldn't have time for a lot
1: else. Hmm. But I mean the what the one with Liam Neeson and the little boy. Yeah. Uh, like that I, I would love to have seen that as a feature film. Like I think that was an incredible idea.
0: Well yeah, I think that was the best part.
1: The idea of a father sort of getting trying to uh, get over his wife's passing whilst helping his son find love. With a woman, with a girl who happens to have the same name as his wife. Yeah, which is another Richard Curtis
0: thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just—it's—it's it's such a, a powerful film, in my opinion. Uh, Love Actually and About Time even more. I mean, as there are, there are bits in Love Actually which aren't great um, or don't have enough flesh to them. So, like Chris Marshall's character going off to America. You'll notice with this that I don't remember the characters' names, I remember the actors' names. Chris Marshall going off to America and meeting all the girls, it's like, oh, I don't know. It's like he tried to, it's like rom-com, 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 sex comedy, rom-com, rom-com. <laughs> and it's just, like, I don't know. I, I'd be intrigued to see how Richard Curtis would write and direct a sex comedy, but I don't think it's this sort of thing, really. Yeah. I mean, you can't have sex comedies that are between both, you know. um, What's, what's the one I'm thinking of? It's not a particularly good film, but Good Luck Chuck works as both, really, and some of the Giordano stuff. But yeah, anyway, that that was a massive tangent we're talking about. I've I spent more time talking about the wrong film.
0: That's fine. <laughs> it explains your opinions about these. I like this freedom. This is good. <laughs> I think these there is a similarity to these movies, though, as you pointed out. Terry Gilliam's American. I think I think of him as British, and I think
1: most people probably think of him as a British filmmaker. He's British by mind, right? really. (laughs) You know, he spent a lot of time in Britain, as far as I'm aware. And
0: so these both have that British element, although less so Fisher King. Although then it goes to Holy Grail stuff, which is a sort of inherently British-related story.
1: And of course, Gilliam's second Holy Grail film. Yeah, but it's
0: American actors. Mm. You know, Jeff Bridges, Mercedes Rule, Robin Williams, and Amanda Plummer.
1: And what's that? All well, those listeners want to hear us talking even more about Monty Python? Well, good thing they can. Oh yeah. Um please be seated, the five Monty Python specials. There we go. This made it a very good a very good pairing for you to invite me on for actually. <laughs> yeah, it leaves openings.
0: Now, okay, so we know which one you come down on.
1: Yeah, it's very clear.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna go with um, you know, the Academy and BAFTA's and other award organizations and go for fisher king
1: because you know it won something (laughs) Mm. i i definitely understand that and i think i'd need to give it more time yeah like i I don't think it would ever be about time for me but i would possibly like put it on like the list of top films but i like to give it six months
0: i wonder if if you'd like it more watching it again just because you know what it is yeah maybe because like going in you were trying too hard to figure it out
1: yeah see, I, I really enjoyed it obviously as i said but yeah yeah i think it's one of those weeks as soon as i finish watching it i look forward to watching it again eh. yeah and i think maybe mark kermode or someone who's said those who don't know mark kermode is like a British film reviewer he, he he tends to give films six months before deciding where they stand on like a favorite films list huh. so they need like six months to rest and then he makes decision? so
0: well yeah if they're still sticking with you then they definitely made some sort of impact and
1: which I think worked because as soon as I came out of seeing the film yesterday, which is a really good film, I was like I think I'd even thought of it as like equal with about time. Huh. I was like, wow, I really enjoyed that. And now I've given it the time to rest, I still love it and I watched it quite I've watched it a few times. Nice. It's probably still one of my favourite films. It's had enough time to rest and find its place on the actual top ten rather than just instantly being the new cool film. <laughs> What, what were your views on yesterday, anyway?
0: Oh, I, I liked it. I was especially... I think I one thing I especially liked is that the plot wasn't about fixing it. No. It was just like, here's the new world we're living in for this movie. Go from there.
1: What is the, it's the about time thing, again. It's the, it's the idea of, we don't need to bore you with explaining the rules of the universe. Yeah. We're going to tell a story with this, and you're going to enjoy the story.
0: Right. It just happened. And,
1: and that's fine. I, don't, I, I think films can get really stuck in the logistics of things and just
0: it's sh- like the groundhog day thing for me again coming back to that so we didn't need an explanation it just kind of happened and go from there
1: kind of ironic how often you come back to groundhog day
0: <laughs> well it's not ironic for me yeah well because you watched it every day i watched but... the movie over 400 times so yeah and written many thousands of words about it
1: groundhog day is another one which i'm looking forward to re because i only saw that for the yeah first time a few months ago which is good because i've got Like, there are even some films which I've watched first time round, and not fully appreciated, but almost instantly known that when I watch them again, I will. Godfather being one of them, i only watched it recently for Please Be Seated, and I know that a lot of people have told me that you need to be like the right age, the right time to watch it, and also that sometimes it takes two or three viewings to, to actually appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, so I understood why people liked it, but as soon as I finished watching it, I was like, I'm going to look forward to watching it again in a few months' time, or in a year's time. Nice. And Fast Time I Risham on High in the same way. Like, I watched it, I sort of got it, and I thought, I'm going to give this another go in a bit of time, and I think I'm going to really enjoy it.
0: Yeah, I first saw that one when I was a kid, and I don't think I understood half of it. So when I watched it years later, it was much better.
1: I think I understood it enough, but I also think I, I watched it pretty much at the, maybe on the day... That my school was shut down with lockdown, and <laughs> being my, I wasn't fully focused with my last day of secondary school yeah. just appearing out of nowhere. So I'd, I'd, I'd probably give that another go. It's weird, as I said, the days at this point are just all blending together, and um, but I'm pretty sure it was definitely right near the start of lockdown, or maybe just before, around that time. No one's, no yep. one's actually asking.
0: So, one, tell the listeners how to find you.
1: Ah. Okay, so the listeners can find me on Twitter at llama underscore bottle zero. They can find me on Facebook at Luke Allen Film, on Instagram at The Ginger Luke. All of my content's available at lukeallen.co.uk. My podcast, Please Be Seated and Two Minutes About Time, will be on your podcast platforms. Please Be Seated on Twitter at Please Be Tweeted, uh, Two Minutes About Time on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Two Minutes About Time. I think that's about it.
0: And there will be links to that one on Lemming Drops as well. Maybe. Thank you for listening. This has been Cock and Bowl Minute, a Tristram Shandy story. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bull Minute, or find us in the Facebook listeners group, Cock and Bowl Pub. Find more content at lemmingdrops.com.